Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. In this episode, I'm talking with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is a board-certified internal medicine physician, a speaker, and author. She is an international wellness expert and has been featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, Psychology Today, and a guest on The Dr. Oz Show. She is the author of numerous books, including her latest, Sacred Rest, where she shares groundbreaking insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, and overcome burnout. Learn more about Dr. Sandra at ichoosemybestlife.com and drdaltonsmith.com. Today, we're going to talk about how the sacred rest that she wrote about relates to prayer. Here is our conversation. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you. Excited to chat with you. This is a topic I have been so excited to expand with you. Um, Your book, Sacred Rest, blew my mind and taught me that I had seen rest in this one-dimensional way, and it was likely the reason that I still felt overwhelmed. Um, So I'm excited to just talk about where this sacred rest and our prayer lives intersect, because I think it's going to be really huge for people to hear. Um, But before we dive into those details, I would love to start with just talking about what your prayer routine looks like right now. Yes. So I started this practice recently where um, I start, it's, it's, kind of divided up into three different parts. I start off with five minutes of of praying, and then I go into five minutes of scripture reading, and then I finish with five minutes of just what I call spiritual rest, just sitting in God's presence, not praying, not reading, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just time with God. And I say five minutes, but that's kind of my heart and fast rules on it, just to make sure that I fit it in no matter what my day looks like. But oftentimes it extends much longer than that, particularly the part where I'm just sitting in his presence and just kind of uh, enjoying, enjoying the thought that God just wants to spend time with me. I love that. And I, um, we're going to have lots of questions about that. Cause I know one thing that we have talked about as a community is the idea of what, what silence and rest can look like in God's presence. Um, Just because we're so used to feeling like we need to be doing something like what is that? What is that actually? How does that take shape? And what are your thoughts whenever you're sitting in those moments? Well, something that I, when I first started doing this, it was really hard because that, that scripture, be still and know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, God, I'm a doer. I don't, I don't do yeah. still, you know, so sitting still felt weird. Um, you know, I, I got the part about praying and reading scripture and devotions, but for me, what I started to have to do initially was start that five minutes of sitting began with five minutes of kind of curling up in a chair and in my mind, imagining being in God's lap. Yeah, I I love that. Because for for myself, I had a hard time kind of relating to being a daughter uh, and and being in the family of God. Those were just unusual concepts to me. I have mm-hmm. a, I have a father who I know loves me, but he's also in the military, so he's not the cuddly 
approachable necessarily daddy type. And so when I hear, when I heard words like Abba and read some of the scriptures, particularly the Psalms where God is described as this, not only this, you know, um, almighty experience, but also a comforter, someone who comes mm-hmm. along beside us, who wants to take us in like a, like a, um, like a mother hen kind of approach. I had a very hard time with that. And so that was very helpful for me to start learning different characteristics of God and start seeing him in, in all of his facets. Yeah. Yeah. I, that makes me think of um, the scripture that I, comes to mind whenever I'm trying to be still in God's presence is Psalm 23, just like he leads me beside still waters um, and he refreshes my soul. And I know at one point in my life when I was really struggling to like see God in this way, I would visualize him. And I know it always gets like a little, you know, like you got be careful with visualizations and everything with God, but I'd picture him just scratching my head. Cause that's a way like my husband will like, um, relax, like if I'm stressed out at night and he he'll mm-hmm. just be there for me. And, and it is, it's the reason I feel like it can be effective is cause it, it just reminds you that he's really present instead of just kind of, um, trying to have this conversation or even just sitting with this God that we, we just forget that he's really there. Um, so I think that that'll be that's definitely something that I try. Like um, I've done the prayer sandwich before where you pray, read your scripture and then pray. But I like the idea of that last part, actually just being sitting and resting and making sure that we include that time where we're just kind of in God's presence and, um, you know, not as performance driven, I guess, as we can be with prayer. Um, what does prayer physically look like for you? Like, do you write in a journal? Do you pray out loud? Um, tell us any, any and all different ways that you like to physically pray. I like to pray to prayer walk. That's yeah. usually my way of physically praying. Um, I'm not a journaler. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> journaling stresses me out, actually. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not a journaler. But um, I like to when I really have something that I, that's kind of pressing on my mind, or I'm having a hard time getting clarity about something. I like to get up early in the morning. Um, I live in the South, so it's hot here. So you have Mm -hmm. to get up early if you don't want to sweat to death outside. But I, (laughs) but I, even when it's not, even when it's like cold, I love just the early morning hours when it's so peaceful and all the birds are out and the squirrels are running around. And I just love being out there during that time and just being very present in the moment. I find that not only does the, the walking kind of give me something to focus my mind on so that I can kind of pray at a, at a deeper level, but it also allows me to actually it, to pay attention to what God is showing me in the moment around me. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love is sometimes while I'm out there, I'll have, uh, my husband always says, that's so strange because he's been with me a few times this happens. Birds literally come up to me and oh. it's, it's very bizarre. <laughs> it's, it, it really, for most people, they're like, that is not normal. And I always say, God knows I love, God knows I love it, love it. Oh, it's yeah. just, it's a, it's a smile from the father. He knows I love it. And as bizarre as it is that, you know, to have these animals come so close to me, um, and, and sometimes as will even turn their face up and, and like look directly at me. I'm like, no, that's just, I call that, that the God kiss. He, he oh. knows I love it. And as simple as it is, he still allows it to be a part of my, my, my prayer walk. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I love prayer walks as well. I feel like just even the motion of walking kind of keeps my conversation going, you know, like mm-hmm. there's just a momentum with it. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so let's talk about sacred rest and, um, what that, what you, what that means in the first place. And then like how that kind of relates to our prayer life, um, for our listeners. Yeah. Well, sacred rest, the, the name really came from, you know, when something's sacred, we, we cherish it. We, we put value to it. We make a point of uplifting it. And that hasn't been my journey with rest for most of my life. Rest was this thing you did when all the work was done. It was what lazy people did when they couldn't keep up with the rest of us, you know, (laughs) and did not have a good mindset of what rest was. And so I avoided it and I didn't give it any value or any worth. And I got to a place in my life where, you know, on the surface, my life looked extremely successful. And, you know, I had the things that I had prayed for, you know, so the things that I asked God for, I was standing in the middle of it. In essence, standing in the middle of what I thought was my promised land and felt completely empty. And I think that's when it really dawned on me that somewhere along this journey, I I missed an important part of this. And, you know, I remember you, you, you've read my book, so you know Mm -hmm. this, but I remember just, you know, coming home from work one day and with my two kids that were not easy for me to conceive, but I finally had them and I just, I couldn't even enjoy them. I put them in front of the TV after picking them up from daycare and laid out on the floor in my foyer. And I was just laying there with tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, God, this is what I asked you for, but, but Mm. it's not, it's not good. I don't feel any goodness from it. And I felt like for the first time, I just felt God speak to my heart that this is the first you've ever asked me about my opinion on this. Oh, like wow. you were so busy, yeah. like getting all your stuff done and accomplishing all the things you wanted to accomplish and, you know, checking off that goal list that you really didn't stop and ask if this was my way of doing it. And it was during that time that God just really took me on a deep journey of understanding the value of rest and how important it is for us to really have the life that we want. You know, it's not how the life looks, it's how the life feels and the living of it. And that's what I have to understand. That um, that was actually a story I was hoping you would share because I know, I just know that so many um, moms are going to be able to relate to that. Um, and even as you were saying that, I just feel like I'm going through a season right now of kind of pulling back on work so that I can, you know, like, I don't want to miss, um, uh, I think what you said, like you weren't able to enjoy, um, what, what you had prayed for, um, or waited for, for so long too. And I feel like I'm in this season of looking back and thinking, man, you know, I don't want to miss any more of the girls' lives, um, just from being burnt out or working too much. Um, so I would love to hear more on, what this rest looks like in relation to prayer. So, you know, there, we know like our listeners, they desire prayer, but, um, they either feel too busy for it or just like, it's really hard to fit it in. Um, but I think even hearing it, talking about it in this, uh, in relation to rest, I guess I think is great because we get to share another benefit of prayer in this in this way that it slows us down. But yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on just how these two things intersect. Yeah, I think a big part of rest and why so many of us struggle with it is because you really can only rest 
up to the level of your trust. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes the what keeps us from resting is this feeling that we have to keep control of certain things that if we loosen the reins, then something bad's going to happen or things won't get done and stuff won't get accomplished. And so that really relates to trust. And so what I find is, you know, what prayer really does is it can keep that communication line open with God so we can build up that trust, that intimacy. You know, we can get back to that place where we can bring our cares to him and let him, you know, let him know when we're feeling stressed or anxious about something and then receive his peace and his grace Mm -hmm. and his mercy to be able to then release some of those things. I love what you said. You said you can only rest to the level of your trust. And um, yeah, just the idea that prayer is where we, where we get dependent on God. Um, that is something we talk about a lot here is that we won't pray if we're not, if, if we do not feel like we need to depend on God, or if we don't feel like, if we feel like we're, we can operate independent of him. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, I love that you can only rest to the level of your trust. I wrote it down. Um, (laughs) cause I think that's just going to be important to remember for us. Um, something that I want to process more honestly. Um, okay. Let's see what, let's go over, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the ideas in the book, sacred rest. So one thing that was like key for me as I read the book was just understanding, you know, that sleep is not, is not all that there is to rest. Um, you know, a lot of our audience is busy moms and, and the idea of somebody saying like, okay, we'll just get some rest and sleep and stuff like that 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 doesn't translate to their life or they feel like, okay, well, I just won't experience rest until my kids are in college or something. <laughs> um, so how do, tell us about some of these ideas um, and just the, how, how we can all kind of have these, not different personalities that we need, but, but basically um, different um, ways that we experience rest most uh, refreshingly, I guess. Yes. Well, let me let me start by just commenting on um, your statement about I'm not going to rest till my kids are in college. I, I I laugh because my kids. I have one now that's a senior and another who's a sophomore. So they're almost at college. And yeah. if I had waited for them to get to college before I rested, I can pretty much guarantee you I wouldn't I would not be in a good space because I was when I really was going through that process. They were both toddlers. So one was two and the other one was, was, you know, a baby. And so it was, um, you can't wait. And, and the, Mm -hmm. uh, and the other part of that is, is, you know, as parents, our kids are actually looking at how we live our lives. We're modeling in essence for them, what their adult life will look like. And one of my mentors one time asked me, do you really want your children to walk that same walk that you just went through? And I don't. And I don't think any mother does want their children to to live a life that feels overwhelmed, overtaxed, exhausted all the time, lacking joy, lacking peace. And so, you know, as a mama talking to other mamas, that's always what I tend to help them to see that you're modeling 
rest to them. And so it's important to kind of see how to incorporate that. And it's not really about, uh, you know, taking vacations or, you know, carving out big sabbaticals. The thing is, we want to learn how to rest in the middle of our busy days. And that's Mm -hmm. what sacred rest is about, how to incorporate it just in the day-to-day things that you do. And so the seven types of rest include physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And a lot of these things can be very simply added into the day just by making a small adjustment in in something that you're already doing. Um, For example, if you're someone who whose job has you maybe on the computer for periods during the day. You work from home, maybe you homeschool or something where you're on the computer for a large part of your day. Just a simple way of start downgrading some of the sensory input, which tends Mm -hmm. to make most of us anxious, you know, irritable, difficulty sleeping, all of those things running under a sensory rest deficit. Simple tactic could be something like what we call um, time blocking. So what that is, is, okay, you have emails that you're going to check rather than checking them all day long, you know, sporadically as they pop up on your notifications to have specific times at the day that you're going to check email or social media or anything that you notice whenever you check that has a tendency to make you feel more anxious and agitated. And so rather than allowing that anxiety and agitation to kind of wax and wane all day long, you can isolate it to certain periods of the day and then surround those periods with things that are actually calming to you. Yeah. um, So you said sensory, and that was the one, if you looked through my book of, you know, I have highlights throughout each chapter and that whole chapter is like highlighted. (laughs) So I knew very quickly that sensory was mine. Um, But I think... Um, I liked, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, I, I, I kind of time block, but, um, I, as you were talking, I thought about my phone and the messages, like I'll mm-hmm. respond to text messages, Vox messages, like from our team, or, um, I'll look at emails throughout my day. And, um, I do notice that it keeps me very ping pongy. So, um, that's not something that I have time blocked. Cause it just feels like, Oh, that's my phone. It's just, it, I can respond really quickly, but I do notice that it does have, um, an effect on me. Like by the end of the day, I can feel like, Oh, I just feel like my brain is just going, um, in so many different directions. So yeah, that's a great point because the, our cell phones is a, is a huge, um, area where we're getting a lot of sensory rest, deficit or overwhelm, I should say, overload, um, specifically because of the number of notifications. So one way we recommend people downgrade that particular one is to limit the notifications to only being your actual phone and then the text messages. Because if you're a mom, you don't want to turn off all notifications because what if somebody's trying to text you about your child at school? But if that person's trying to reach you, they're not going to send it by they're not going to send it by Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> They're going to actually call you or send an actual text message. So those two we recommend leaving on. Everything else, you don't have to take the app off your phone, but just take the notifications off so you can actually choose when you want to engage with those particular apps. That way you can time block them and get back some control over that ping pong type feeling. Yeah. So I would love to hear what what have been some of the hardest parts of coming to God, um, like in this place of rest, this, this time that you say, like at the end of, after prayer and scripture reading and rest, 
what have been some of the hardest parts of that for you in particular? And then like, how have you overcome that? I would probably say the hardest part of coming to God in this place of rest for me, honestly, was the very beginning of all Mm -hmm. of this, because my, my background is that I grew up, I grew up without a mother. My mother died in childbirth. So my dad wouldn't do the hospital with a pregnant wife, came out with a newborn only. So I I didn't have a very solid base for trusting God from the Mm -hmm. very beginning. My faith was already strained before I even knew what the word faith was. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with the mindset that if I wanted things to work out well, it was on me to do everything I had could do to make that happen. And I think because of that, it was very difficult to get to that place of trust with God. Uh, Years and years of working through that process to get to that place of trust. So now in my life, when something happens that doesn't go the way that I would like for it to go or challenges my faith, I'm always having to be aware of kind of where I started in the trust paradigm with God mm-hmm. yeah. and not allow my my belief of who he is to be altered by the circumstances that I'm currently facing. Wow, that that is that's powerful and I hope people hear that and just knowing everybody listening is facing something that you feel like whatever circumstance it might disqualify what you believe about God or like just change what you believe about God. I think that I just admire that so much that you have been able to see that despite that, um, that start of your, of your story of trust with the Lord. Um, what have been some of the biggest answered prayers that you've seen? Um, and, and it could be like actually big things or just small things that you've just noticed were clearly God um, in your life. I, I would probably say some of the biggest prayers I've seen have just been within my own, my own ministry walk. Um, you know, I, when I first started this journey with God, I was full-time physician, you know, I've been in practice for over 20 years now, but at that time I'd only been in practice about 10 years. And I was seeing some things that were coming up with some of the women that were coming in my practice. And I, you know, I felt like, God, there's, there's so much I want to tell them, but I only have, you know, like 15, 20 minutes (laughs) to have these conversations. And I really just felt this impression to, to write something, to write a book. My first book was set free to live free breaking through the seven lies women tell themselves. And so I wrote this book and I was like, God, you know, I, I didn't have a social media platform. Nobody knew who I was. I wasn't out on a speaking circuit. I mean, I was complete unknown. And when a publisher picked it up and agreed to publish it, I thought, oh, great. I, you know, I've, I've done what God's asked me to do. That's a huge answer to prayer. But the prayer that I actually had prayed was that God would, would use that book to touch people beyond my medical practice. What I didn't realize is that that actually meant speaking, which was something I was terrified of. And so I I had a fear of public speaking. And so, you know, one of the very first things that happened after that book released back in 2011, actually, it's just recently been updated and re-released. But when it first released in 2011, 
um, I had an opportunity for my publisher to go speak at an event. And I thought, no, no, you know, no, thank you. And they, unfortunately, they didn't give me much of an option. They just kind of said, oh, wow. this is kind of part of your contract, you know, <laughs> that you're going to go speak. And I thought, wow, okay. And, you know, I was ready for maybe 50 people. There ended up being 800 people there. And when you're oh, a new speaker, you have no background, mm-hmm. you don't know what's happening. You know, I, that night in the room, when I found that out, I was in the hotel room just bawling. I was like, God, I don't know what this is, but this is, this is not good. This is not, this is not going to be good. I don't even know what to say. And I just felt like the, the calm of God come over my heart that you don't have to know what to say. Just, just be truthful about what I've done in your life. Just tell your testimony. And so that's what I did. And honestly, that was probably one of the biggest answered prayers in my life because in, in that moment of feeling so vulnerable and so Mm -hmm. unprepared, I saw just how prepared God is for those moments in our lives. And it's given me a courage and a boldness as I've gone forth from that moment back in 2011 to now to not be afraid when he opens up doors to not back down when my testimony is enough to actually move forward. Okay, Sandra, that is uh, so crazy to hear this story because I public speaking is like my biggest fear. And as, as I've worked with publishers for a few years, I've literally said, I'll do anything but public speaking. They've been, they've been pretty okay with that. And, um, last week I was talking to somebody about, and they were challenging me, like, you know, maybe pray about whether God like would, you know, that that's something, whether that's something you need to get over, or if it's like, you know, God just uses our gifts differently. And she kind of presented an opportunity, um, for something that I would normally say no to. And I think just as I'm hearing, like you say that that was one of the biggest answered prayers for you, knowing that I would feel the exact same way in that situation. It's almost, it goes back to that level of trust. Like you felt like, um, in your past, you, that everything kind of depended on you. And in that moment, you knew you didn't have anything to give. And the only way you could get through that was through the Lord. And you just got to see that in such a real way. And I, I like, I just love that story. And I, I know obviously you sharing it means it's something you hold on to, but I pray our listeners get a story like that. Just something that they can know beyond a shadow of a doubt the Lord heard my cry and he answered me. Cause I think that that it just shapes the way we pray forever. You know, like obviously we're going to have seasons where we maybe don't pray as much, but you're, you will likely come back to that story throughout your life in those seasons when you struggle to pray or, you know, um, you're going to be reminded of God's faithfulness. Um, so I just love, I love how God used that story, just that he's using it today in my life to, to, you know, I feel like it's a reminder that he hears me and hears my fears. (laughs) I love that. And you know what? He has brought that story to mind. That was my very first speaking engagement. I got a bit, I don't recommend being thrown in the fire like that, but, but honestly, it really, it really did shape my prayer life and it, it completely shaped my ministry because now when opportunities like that occur, um, I'm a Christian, and so when I was asked by TEDx to be the opening speaker for their event, you know, they made it very clear, you know, you can talk about the seven types of, you can talk about six of the seven types of rest, but let's not mention spiritual. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, a part of me is like, uh, no, thank you. It's seven types of rest. And that I really just felt, uh, and that, that very same feeling I had when I got that message from my publisher back in 2011 to go do it afraid, go ahead and do it. And you know what? It was like, I don't, if you're familiar with TEDx, they mm-hmm. take you through this big process. You have to yeah. give the talk like three or four times in front of all these people to make sure that they like it. And then the last week, this is after having a completely memorized talk for like over two months. The last week, the official said, you know what? This doesn't make sense. There's seven. We have to mention the seventh one. Wow. And wow. I'm like, God, here you go again. It's it's all about, I, I say it's all about obedience. It's yeah. all about putting the one foot in front of the other and then just trusting him with, with the outcome. That I love that. And, you know, we, I have a whole chapter in the book on obedience. Um, and because we see like prayer and obedience is like two opposite responses when you're acting and when you're listening or praying. And the more we obey, the more clearly we will, we will hear God. And the more like, the more we pray, the more opportunities God's going to give us to, uh, not opportunities to obey, but he's, he's instructing us, you know, we're not looking for a second opinion. And, um, so that's just really cool to hear. I love that. I love that, you know, you had to obey before you knew that you were going to get to share that seventh, um, that seventh rest. So that's amazing. I love that. Um, what about, what are the biggest no's that you've heard from God and what did God teach you through that? I think probably the biggest no, and it's interesting because when I hear that question, what what automatically for me is coming to mind is God teaching me to say no. Um, I have a bit of a people-pleasing type personality. I don't like confrontations, which has gotten me in a lot of trouble with with, um, not setting healthy personal boundaries, saying yes to things I really should say no to. And I would probably say that's what God has taught me most about no's is that when I give a truthful, heartfelt no, that it honors him, that it doesn't Mm -hmm. honor him for me to give a yes out of guilt or shame or fear or whatever those reasons are, mommy guilt, you know, whatever those reasons Mm -hmm. are that I give an untruthful yes, that that actually doesn't honor him or please him in any way. It doesn't show that I trust him to bring that opportunity back around. Back in 2020, I had an opportunity at an event where I was asked to speak, but it it came up against um, my son's football games. And that's something that was important to me. I wanted to be at every game. And so, you know, it was like, okay, this is a great opportunity and I really, really would love to do it. But this is my priority in this season. And I'm going to have to say no, because even if I went, I would still be thinking about the game the whole time I'm there. So I might as well be at the game. And it was just beautiful to see how God kind of brought that back around, you know, even in with COVID, um, that event ended up asking me to speak virtually. So I was able oh. to to still present at the event as one of their keynote speakers while you know, being able to be with my family. So, you know, it's one of those things where we just really have to realize that God has, is way more creative than Mm -hmm. we are about how to take those no's and have them work together for our good. Yeah. 
Yep. And even as you were saying, you know, like you, when you would say no to somebody, you had to know that, or you would hope that they knew that it was for a purpose. It was for the best, you know, like, even though no's are hard to hear. And I feel like that's what God, you know, when God tells us, no, it's the same thing. Like he knows more, he knows why he's doing it. It's intentional. It's not to hurt anybody. Um, it is for our good. And, um, yeah, so I think I think that's cool to just to hear that comparison. Um, was prayer modeled for you at all, like as you grew up, um, maybe from your dad or another family member, or was it something that you learned later on in life? Yeah, so my dad was in the military, so most of my time was actually spent with my great-grandmother. She's actually the oh. one who raised me. And she was uh, definitely a praying woman. She, I remember so many, and I was an angry child. I, I can remember times out on the porch, literally cursing God out. So <laughs> just yeah. a very angry child growing up. And I just recall some of those times hearing her um, on her knees at her bedside, repeating, God be with Sandra, God reveal her in your presence, show her your love, let her see how real you are in her life. And, um, you know, there are times even now I can still hear those prayers uh, in my head because hours she would be on the on the ground on her knees praying for me and for my my soul and my spirit and the pain and the hurt that I was still trying to, you know, process as a teen and as a young child. Um, and it was interesting. I had a, um, an incident in my car um, many years ago. Uh, where it spun out and, uh, you know, it's spinning around in circles, <laughs> literally. And I'm sitting here, you know, as people say, your life flashing before your eyes kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what I heard in that wow. moment. That's what I heard. I heard those prayers. God be with Sandra. Let her know that you're present. Let her know that you love her. Let her know that no matter what happens in her life, you are always near. And I got to tell you that that probably was one of the defining moments of my life. Because if I, if I had ever believed that God knew me or was near me or was in any way concerned with me to have that be the voice that was in my head in the time of one of my greatest fears. I'm like in tears over here because that is, it's just so beautiful to see, you know, we think about intercessory prayer too. And like, to know that like God, like God hears the prayers of others and it affects our lives. Like we, we just need to know that in such a real way and how cool that you got to feel that in such a real way in something that is so scary and um obviously like not not something you want to go through but you you get to walk away knowing those prayers those prayers that she prayed years ago like they are still in the ears of God and and he still knows them and um and they're still affecting my life um I keep going back to moms here, but like, I know that there's so many moms listening and just to know that our kids can see us pray. They can, they can, they can witness it, even if they're just passing by our room or seeing us on the porch or whatever, but that they can know that we are praying for them. Like, let's do that. You know, like, let's not miss those opportunities. Um, and I just love that you're giving such a real example of, of that in action. Um, what, so you know, like I, I, I love hearing how, like how your prayer life has grown over the time over your life, but what, is there anything, um, that you think about, like, what ways would you want to keep growing your prayer life, um, into the future? Yeah, currently my, my 
my, I guess my, I would say my heart's desire related to my prayer life really is just to grow a deeper, deeper level of intimacy with God. You know, mm-hmm. I, I spent such a long time kind of fragmenting prayer at these certain time periods. Like I'm going to pray in the morning and I'm going to pray in the evening. <laughs> like I had it so yeah. regimented. And so, and I do have things that I do. Like I like to have my five, five, five moments just to kind of have, have a centered way of, of approaching prayer. But now a big part of my focus is how to make, how to make, prayer just my normal day-to-day communication with God all day yeah so I'm really mindful of you know with my husband we'll send text messages and we'll stop by each other's home office and chat for a minute you know it's not one of these things where I only talk to him twice a day you know yeah and so I'm like God I want I want intimacy with you I want to have this ongoing communication where it's not regimented it's just we enjoy each other. We, we want to be with each other throughout the day. And so that's kind of where my focus is now on my prayer life, how to make it more intimate. I love that. Yeah. Um, my husband and I were talking about the idea of daily bread in, in the Lord's prayer and how that it is, it's basically a call to this ongoing conversation with the Lord, as opposed to you know, we're not going to the store and getting everything we need for the week. We are coming to him daily and it keeps us dependent on him and it keeps us coming back to him in a very natural way. So that's definitely been something on, on our minds too, me and my husband's just as we've um, thought about prayer lately. So I love, I love hearing that. Um, well, Sandra, this has been such an encouraging chat and um, I know it's going to encourage our listeners. Um, would you close us in prayer today? Yes, I would be happy to. Lord, we just thank you for the ability to bring our cares before you. We thank you, Lord, that you are present in our times of need and that is your desire that we can bring everything that we have to you, that we do not have to carry out those heavy burdens. And most of the fatigue that we experience is simply Mm -hmm. because we refuse to to honor your call to come and rest. And so I just pray for every woman listening, God, that you will... Let her feel that invitation to to lay it down, to lay down her anxieties, to lay down her fears, to lay down her insecurities, to lay down all those things that she feels she has to hold on to, and to help her to see that you have extended to her an unlimited ability to step into this rest, God, and to be able to be filled back up in the places where she feels empty. Lord, I pray for the, the children of those that are listening, God, that they will not enter into a society where where rest is looked at as negative, but through the modeling of what they see at home, that they will see rest as something that is beautiful, that is cherished, and that is sacred. And God, that as we go into deeper times of intimacy with you, you will help us to learn how to rest and how to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sandra, for chatting. Um, Can you tell us um, how our listeners can find you? Yes. Well, my main website is IChooseMyBestLife.com. And at the top of that, there is a link to the rest quiz. It's restquiz.com as as well. And they can do a free assessment to see which of these seven types of rest they're most efficient in. And I'd love for them to check out my book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. Yes. I highly recommend it, guys. Definitely get that. (laughs) Thanks again, Sandra. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.